Hi, everybody. Kaylin Hart here, a contributor at Sold Magazine, and welcome to In the Spray Room, where in less than one year, we have interviewed over 60 of the best and brightest artists getting up on the streets today. We're bringing out the lighter side of these creatives by interviewing them in a less structured environment, but this is just one way that Sold tells the story of these wonderful artists. For our daily dose of online content, check us out on soldmagny.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Today's crew consists of myself, Bite Girl. Hello. And Big Ronnie. I'm waving. Can you see me, you guys? I'm waving. Before we introduce our wonderfully special guest, Big Ronnie, tell us what's going on. Well, it's a little bit of a recap what has gone on since our last podcast recording with uh, Menace and Ressa. And hello to those guys. Hope you are doing well. Saw the piece in Philly. Very cool. Ben Franklin with the shading on the face and shit. Stop it. When these guys roll through your town, and I'm not sure what town they're coming to next, but throw a wall at them. They're good guys. Uh fun artists and they are not coming back to new york for a while so let them leave their mark that's one thing johnny shorts is in boston he is not here that is why kaylin is filling in today so john you we are tickling your fomo remotely you're missing things at home instead of missing things abroad so you're welcome for that the haiti trip the haiti boys are back jpo owly uh, all the guys, uh, I think Denton went down. Ramiro. Ramiro, they're they're back. They had a great trip. I saw a lot of those pictures. Uh, can't wait to hear about that trip. Oh, don't boys. forget about Yuki. And Yuki Pomchi. Yeah, Yuki's about to hit the uh, the road for another do the road traveling caravan residency mission or something like that. What do they call it, Bike Girl? Uh, they do. They call it Dripped on the Road, but basically it's a whole bunch of boys in an RV with a whole lot of paint and walls to find. A lot of fun. So we got some upcoming events. Uh, 17th to the 22nd of September, we have the Murals in the Market in Detroit. The 21st, we have the Avast Show at 17 Frost. Hello to Javier and... Ellis and all the team at 17 Frost. I miss you guys. Uh, 927, we have the Affordable Art Fair at the Metropolitan Pavilion in the city. That should be a fun show. And we're coming up to, you know, the fall where lots of shows and galleries and a lot of people are going to be putting things out. I heard uh, Turtle Caps is working on a uh, group show for merch. That'll be awesome because he throws a good show. And, uh, you know, respected, puts it on, people make money, the, the, the venue does well, it's a good time, so I, ho- I hope that gets pulled off. So, that takes us in to our special guest. Now, our special guest today is an artist working in the street. You have seen their work. It is colorful. It has a message, Bike Girl, does it not? Always. It has. It, it ultimately is the message. So we're sitting here with Jason Naylor. Jason, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So you are not from New York, but you are here 16 years. Correct. I am from Salt Lake City, Utah, but I've been here for about 15 years. So a little different Salt Lake than New York. Yeah, just a smidge. 
Now, how um, how you had you traveled out of there before you left and came here for good? Yes. So when I was in high school, my oldest sister, who's a couple years older than me, she moved to New York to go to school, and then I began coming to visit her. And then upon visiting, discovered you know, I mean she w- she went to Juilliard, so she was in like Midtown Manhattan, and even coming to visit that part of New York was really exciting. I was like, I gotta go, gotta get there. Now, were you were you an artsy kid? Yeah, always. And did you feel did you feel like that was a, a supportive environment out there? Not people specifically, but you know the culture out there. The culture. I mean, first of all, my immediate culture, meaning my family. My mom is an artist, and she's super talented. She does portraits, and so I always had colored pencils and art supplies and everything. And my mom and parents were, you know, they were supportive of me doing artwork, taking art classes, all that kind of stuff. So it was all, it was always, you know, part of the program. I think the culture of Salt Lake City is not necessarily the strongest for the support of artists, especially on the street. However, my, you know, my background was there. My, my structure was there to support it. Now, Biker, when was the first time you saw Jason's workout in the wild? I'm really not sure. Probably one of the first pieces you did in Chelsea. Yeah. In that area, over um, there's one by a subway over there. It's probably the first one I remember seeing. On yeah, sixteenth and sixth. Sixteenth yeah, and sixth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my first too. Well, yeah. that was the first piece that I did in Manhattan. We'll see. There Woo. we go. Yeah. Live, live life colorfully. Live life colorfully. Yes. How long ago was that? That was in June of 2017. So it's been a year and a couple months. Not that long ago. So how did you end up in the streets? Well, I actually kind of came into the street through the back door because I was busy. I, my background is in graphic design and illustration. So I was doing, you know, colorful, positive messaging, but I was doing it more in a digital format. And then I won this contest, which was that wall, the Live Life Colorfully wall. And I actually didn't really have any experience with spray paint. And I, I mean, I had kind of the colors and the message set up in a digital way that I was doing already, but I had to sort of learn on the fly how to use the tools and I, cause I won that wall. So I painted it. I mean, it took me a week to paint that. I could paint it in a day now, you know? All right. So I have a question for you. Is it true that walls are like potato chips? Once you did that wall, could you imagine never doing another one? Or is it something that you like, you instantly knew that you would be painting walls from now on if given the opportunity? Oh, B. Yeah, yeah. I, I've always said it. it's almost like an instant love. Oh uh, yeah, like a, a like this this person you never knew you were going to be in love with, but you're going to be in love with them now for the rest of your life. That's exactly how it is. After painting that wall, I was sold, and no pun intended. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you a are you a trial by fire? Like, do you do you do well under pressure? Or would you much rather have had? six months of practice with spray paint before you'd gotten that wall. I do well under pressure. And a lot of my work has been in advertising and marketing. And that's a lot of like hard, fast deadlines and like angry clients. And that kind of stuff is really good for me because I can totally work with it. So learning on a whim was great. Um, I'm good with my hands. And then I think like the reward of mastering, not that I've mastered it completely, but the reward of mastering a spray can is really great. You know, once you kind of figure out how to do that, it's huge and it makes you want to do more. Now, let's talk about, so obviously it's not your murals that decide what you're creating. It was the graphic design. 
and your typography and the work that you were doing on the computer. Yep. Okay. So when you design a mural today, is it designed on the computer or do you use Yeah. Okay. It starts on the computer. Um, Generally, I have a laptop or a computer in front of me. And so even if I'm not necessarily designing something typographic that relies on the computer, my brain works sitting in front of the computer. So even if I'm just kind of thinking through ideas of what I want to paint, it, it'll happen quicker and better if I'm sitting in front of the computer. So then, you know, I actually work on the iPad a lot too. I'm sketching on the iPad with the mm-hmm. computer in front of me. And some of the typographic elements that I use are generated in a design software, like an Adobe software. And that's where they start. Then I'll tailor them to fit the wall, you know. Do you decide what to write or do you let the the space tell you how much space you have and then backfill the words? Uh, kind of both, depending. You know, if it's a if it's a standard shape wall, I'll worry about the message. But if it's an awkward space, then I'll try and figure out a message that's going to work in the space. I think ideally, I'd f- focus on the message first. Now, Kaylin, there's a bunch of artists out there that are message driven. You're wearing one of them. I'm just going to run through a couple of them for our listeners. Guys like Wordsmith and Samo, My Life in Yellow, Adam Fu, Queen Andrea. Baron Von Fancy, you know, people that require you to read in order to get the message. Now, if the message is in text, why the colors? Why go over the top? Why isn't it just words on a white sheet? For me, the the actual words are only one part of the message. It's a faceted experience. And in order to get the full experience, you have to see the color, you have to see the wall, and it's like with the principles of graphic design, the message is bigger than the parts, you know, the sum is bigger than the parts, and so the words are only that, uh, actually a small part of it. If it was just black and white, with like white letters, it doesn't matter what it said, it wouldn't be, it, w- it wouldn't be the right message for me. And the color is huge, because to me, joy is a big part of what I'm going for. I want people to see the wall and have a moment of like, fuck yeah, or like smile on their face, you know? And in order to get that, you have to have color and you have to have all the color. Yeah, why all the color other than the message? Is there another reason for the fact that you work in such bright colors? I'm, I don't see your work in pastels or right. why Why the color? The colors that I choose are very electric and I want the message, even if it's something really kind, like be happy or whatever, I want that to be said with like some assertion, you know, with some emphasis. It's not a passive like, hey, let's be happy. It's like, Get it. Be happy, you know. I love it. I have a question for you, Jason. Mm. So coming from the advertising world, we know it can be a crazy beast. And obviously at that point you're working for clients. So the message that you're relaying at that point is their message, right? Whatever the product may be. How did sort of you gracefully bridge this gap between advertising and then going into your own work? So it started here with the mural in Chelsea. But I'm curious as to how and sort of when you decided to stick with this wonderful message of love inclusivity positivity like your 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 identity is clear and tangible and that's wonderful and it seems like a very graceful transition for you and i'm curious sort of how you fell on to this message of love and positivity in your work well i think the the message of love and like the positivity bit is because I actually am a pretty upbeat guy. Like I'm the guy that finds the silver lining and everything. And so it's just kind of me, but I think I stumbled upon it when I stopped trying to like, you know, 
force my art to be this thing that I thought was cool. And for a long time, like a lot of the work that I did was in the beauty and fashion industry. So I, I'm really attracted to this slick black and white sort of like edgy artwork, you know, like Bisco. Like I, I like that kind of like his look is really what I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. I was trying to force my art into that box for a long time. That's not who I am. And so I think when I finally sort of let go of like trying to make myself look like art that I like to look at, then it just sort of came out. And it's like, I'm a colorful, upbeat, happy guy. And that's what comes out of my art because I've just let go, you know? I love it. We can tell. Feels very natural. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> so you spoke on fashion. Yes. Um, another one of those commercial things that kind of works with the art and the meld of commercial was the coach campaign. Yes. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved and where that's led. So I am represented by Philin Global, and they were approached. Can you tell our listeners who they are? Yes. Philin uh, Philin is a artist representation agency, and they represent me. And they have a roster of artists, a lot of whom you guys probably know. I'm not going to try and list them off the top of my head, but. Um, a couple that you may know are Adam Fu, who's one of my friends, um, Giz, Dane, some people in that world. But anyway, Mark they, Evans. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's, you know, I think there's like twenty art, twenty twenty five artists. Anyway, they were approached by Coach, who wanted to do uh, an advertising, like an out of home campaign to celebrate their Fashion Week, um, and they wanted to do murals. They wanted it to be very like graffiti, street art focused. And so they selected a bunch of artists that were represented by fill-in. And each artist created a wall during Fashion Week. And then it kind of rolled out into other pieces of artwork. Ultimately, some of that art ended up on bags and clothes, which you can now buy. So, which is cool. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the artists chosen to have my art on the bags, on the clothes, and then also on the wall. So have you seen any of your bags go walking by you on the street yet? No. <laughs> I haven't yet. I mean, yet. that's going to be kind of like hearing your song played on the radio for the first time. I think it? so, yeah. I actually just <laughs> got the bags the other day. I mean, it's it, they've you've been able to buy them for a couple right. months now, maybe like two months, but I it took a while for me to get them. So I got them all, laid them out. I did a little photo shoot, you know, and that was kind of a big, like my name is on the tag. That's kind of a big deal. Which is huge, yeah. you know, and it, so that was kind of like a, a little it, bit of I like a moment for me. I think it'd be fun to follow you around for the first time you see one on the street to see if you do like a little happy dance. Or... I think, yeah. And see, now that you brought it up, I'm never going to see one. <laughs> <laughs> and you just won an award with Coach for the bags. Tell us a little bit about that. So the the whole campaign that Phil and did with Coach, that campaign won an award. It's a Clio award, and Clio oh, is a fashion and advertising. Cool. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so that's really exciting. So I got a, uh, an email from Jackie, my agent, and she was like, hey, guys, we're celebrating. We just won a Clio, and I'll send pictures of the trophies when they come. And so... It was, awesome. it was big, yeah. I was, I was really fortunate and honored to be a part of that. So what do you think coming from fashion, seeing your art on fashion? Oh, it's so I have to so say cool. that Kaylin is sporting a piece of your art right now. I you noticed, but I didn't bring socks. it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, is that something when you started doing this as your own, like getting away from doing commercial work, was that ever anything that you were striving for, or is this just something that started happening? It kind of just started happening. It wasn't necessarily a goal, but it's so close to home. I'm so used to working with marketing it's products kind of and advertising cool products. Yourself. Yeah, so a lot of the things that I've learned in in marketing and branding and advertising, I've been able to apply 
to my own brand and to my own products. So it's it's been a pretty seamless transition. It wasn't what I planned, really. So we always ask uh, artists that we sit down and interview to give you know the next generation, people coming up, people that haven't had the big brand opportunities or the collabs with, with recognizable names, give them a tip. Like you said, you, you learned some things and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe there's something that pops into mind that you did wrong in the past and, oh, maybe, you know. Yeah, totally. So, I, like I said before, I was trying to force my art into this box that kind of wasn't my box. And the biggest piece of advice I would give is stay in your own lane. You know, don't try and force your art to be someone else's art. And it's really easy to say. It's very difficult to do, you know, but... Stay in your own lane and and focus on what's in your heart. Like what's when you put the pencil to paper, don't think about other things that you like that other people do. Think about yourself. You know, in a way, it's like be selfish about it, but focus on you because what's in there is right. What other people doing, what other people are doing, is right for them, not for you. So stay in your own lane. So that's great advice, and uh, we talked about it in the past. It's a little bit, uh, you know, in business about you know diversification versus diversification. You want to do what you do well and not spread so spread yourself so thin that you start doing what you used to do well or poorly. Or become a parody of yourself. Yeah. I like that word, diversification. I didn't make it up. I'm just claiming <laughs> it for the day. Um, it's good, though. Jason, so we have the fabulous socks. You have the bags with Coach. Moving forward, do you have dreams of getting your designs on more apparel? Or would you want to stick to more accessories? Or what are your thoughts there? Apparel is great. I think, um, please leggings. Yeah. Leggings would be super, would be be cool. I would welcome any, anyone who makes leggings holler, you know, let's talk about it. I think, um, obviously my work feels right on t-shirts and stuff like that. So I'm happy about that. But what I actually would love to do is paint a car and I haven't had that opportunity. I don't, it doesn't, doesn't have to be like a really nice sports car or something. I would be happy with like a Prius, you know, I would just love a white or a black Brand new car, Ooh. parked in front of my studio, and like a day Uber or two. Uber does a contest every year down at my, in Miami for Art Basel, and they have the Uber painted by artist cars. Yep. Oh, that's you fun. would be great for that project. Yeah. That would be a good one. So that's kind of on my... drives around, and you I can actually it. rent that the painted cars through Uber, Uber if you're lucky enough on the app to get them. Okay. Also, Coach has done collabs with Vespa in the past, and they've had artists paint, I know, surfboards, um, Vespas, I'm not sure what else, but maybe, I don't know, maybe yeah. Coach could get you yeah. on a vehicle. Yeah, I'm putting it out in the universe, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah well, you got to say it's it on the list. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Really cool. Do we have any walls lined up? What are you working on currently? Uh, I have a couple of indoor things lined up. Um, I'm working with an ad agency in the city, and I'm going to do a big wall for them. It's like when you walk into their space, it's their reception, and that should be very colorful. They're a very colorful agency, and so they're kind of into, like, do your own thing. So the wall will be about passion. Um, I don't want to reveal who it is because I haven't started it yet. Um, I don't have anything outdoor lined up per se, but I have a couple of things that are in the works. One is going to be in New Jersey, and I haven't painted anything in New Jersey. So more to come on that. Nice. Let's uh, let's give a collective hello to Nicole Gordon, who couldn't be here today. Hello to Nicole. Hello. We love you, Nicole. And uh, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the event that you worked with her at Roger Smith? Okay, so Nicole approached me and said, I have a gig with the Roger Smith Hotel, they are interested in doing some sort of message-driven 
project where they've got a room. It's basically a room, and you will just take over the room. And are you into it? And I was like, cool. Sounds, yeah, sold. And sold. <laughs> so it, it, it worked out perfectly because the Roger Smith Hotel, they, they're really conservative, and I think they have a little bit of a different sensibility than, or what I should say is my sensibilities may be a little bit different than what they're used to. So I think they were excited to welcome a little Brought bit of a different modern century yeah maybe like a little bit brighter a little bit younger a little bit more colorful and they were pretty open to what i had to say and what they asked for was something that was new york centric and kind of focused on new york city and manhattan and specifically kind of their part of the the world you know their part of the neighborhood so what i did was i created a bunch of messages that basically told the love story that I have with New York City, which is kind of in the form of like, what do you, what does it feel like when you get off the subway for the first time? Or what does it feel like when you walk around a corner and see the Empire State Building? Things like that. And so I wrote these little messages that kind of speak to that experience that I had. And then I turned it into art and put it all over the walls. So coming from that vein, because I do have a question for you. Before we started, we discussed that you did come from like the land of casserole. Yes. Um, and I'm just curious. What was the first thing you ate in New York where you were like, I'm home? I mean, I, I'm, I'm like racking my brain trying to remember that experience, whatever it was. But since I can't remember, I think it's very likely that it was pizza. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's most people's entry. But <laughs> or now, hot dogs because I really love hot dogs too. What, what is your favorite thing in New York as far as food? You mean besides pizza, right? Besides pizza. <laughs> um, I like variety. And I think... That's the biggest thing about New York that, you know, New York eating, you can get anything and whatever you want to eat, it will be the best in the world, right? I mean, we, we all kind of know that and love that about New York. Salt Lake City, which is where I'm from, doesn't have the most diverse eating culture. And I'm sure it's evolved <laughs> since I left, but I kind of grew up eating three or four different cuisines and that was that. New York has everything. And so it... I, there's nothing that I really don't like except tomatoes, which is weird because I love pizza. <laughs> so I, I like the variety. I like being able to eat whatever I want and know that it'll be good. 24 hours a day. Yeah, 24 hours a day. So again, Salt Lake. Um, we talked for a moment before we started also about the fact that you were raised Mormon. Yeah. And I asked if you went on mission. So where did you go? Brazil. Brazil. Yep. So do you feel like that shaped, did that experience shape your art in any way? Because the colors, when I see your work, there's... To me, now that you tell me you went to Brazil, I can almost see a connection with the fact that you work in color. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that it, it did. Brazil, Being in Brazil for two years was crazy, and we could spend a whole you know, hour talking about just that. But that experience was so huge, and I was 19. You know, you, When you're 19, you go to another country for two years, and it, it will change you, like in a, you know, in a huge way. So I can't necessarily pinpoint exactly how that affected my art, but I'm positive that it did. And Brazil, of course, as we all know, is huge for street art, and there's walls everywhere, primarily because every like house, neighborhood, building, every establishment is surrounded by a wall. So there's so much space to paint. And I think just being there then at the time without realizing it, I was getting inspired by seeing so much art. I was always taking pictures of it just because I thought it was cool, you know, but it, there, wasn't, there wasn't really a, I'm going to do that someday in my head, but I'm sure it's in there. So someday you need to go back and paint. And I've been back a couple of times not to paint, but to mm -hmm. visit. And 
realized even more like how huge that culture is for street art. So I'll get there. Cool. So one of the other things we like to ask everybody that comes in is about collaboration. Yes. So what have you have you done any outdoor collaborations yet? Um, obviously, coming from graphic design and advertising, you've done your fair share of collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your dream collaborations? And you can choose living and or dead. Oh, wow. Okay. So to answer the first part of the question, I, I haven't done very many collaborations with other artists. I've collaborated with a lot of brands, both with my art and with design um, and kind of advertising in, in that format. Collaboration as a principle is the same. It's about flexibility. And I think finding the balance of how flexible you need to be and how much you need to stand up and own your voice, that balance makes a good, you know, finding that balance makes for good collaboration. Having said that, I do have a plan to collaborate with Adam Fu. So when that happens, we want it to be big. Like it's sort of been in the works and people expect it from us. And his message is very political a lot of the times. And mine is very positive and sort of love focused. So we're going to overlap in a way that makes a statement. So that'll come. So that's kind of something we've talked about. We can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Nice big neon. Yeah. It'll be colorful. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And then the nice part about it is that we all know it'll have a black background. Yeah. So we'll just start with that. You know, who has, who has a black building? Let's talk. You know. <laughs> um, in terms of my dream collaboration, um, I mean, I I don't know how this collaboration would work, but I when I was you know a lot. Younger, We're not looking for details. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then let me just say I would love to collaborate with Tristan Eaton because he was the first real working street artist that I actually like met and had some sort of relationship with. And I felt really inspired by him and always have. So let's put him down. Could be, yeah. Super cool. I think you could figure out a way to collaborate. I think your styles, you know, his, his graphic style would match. Well, his pictorial mm-hmm. would match your graphics very well and you could blend them. I think yeah. without too much trouble. I could see it working. Yeah. Wait, let's go back to the Adam Fu collab. So he does politics <laughs> he and you do love. And he's like, Wait. <laughs> well, you know, political. Poli- so together you're going to love politics? I mean, if it's that simple, it's going to fail. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I think we would all love for certain things to happen in politics. I think now, Adam does a lot of single words, but they mean much more. Yeah. He, he doesn't write as much as you typically write. Correct. In, in a piece. Yeah. So what if, uh, Biko, what if the word that they, they were rallying around was impeach? He's, well, yeah, he's done that one. Yeah. I suppose you could, I don't know how it, yeah, you could throw a few hearts around it and make everybody just go, <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, I mean. kind of fun. Actually, it would be interesting to take such a targeted word like that and then create like this magical unicorn background so people would go, what finally, the hell? Finally. Something like that. I mean, (laughs) something ambiguous could be really strong because, you know, in in light of what you said about the one word message, I mean, you could make like a two word message, one part Adam, one part Jason, that has enough meaning to drive people in the direction that resonates with them. So if they're if they're like politically oriented, that's what it says. And if they're all about kindness and positivity, that's what it says. You know, it could go either way. That might be the strength to the to the collab. I love it. So something about tomorrow, something about hope, I would think. Yeah, if, right. If you have your hands on So it. now that you guys have planned it oh. out for us. <laughs> you know, impeach hope. Yeah. 
I have oh. a question for yeah. Jason. You have some of the best social media etiquette that I've ever come across in this whole scene. You're so gracious. You're so responsive um, with all your fans, and you're you personalize your messages and your everything. Um, and you know you have a huge following that takes a lot of time and dedication. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your relationship with your fans and how you sort of have made it a point to you know set aside time for them and all of that. Okay, cool. So this is where I should shout out Julie, who's my girlfriend partner, and she's kind of a social media guru as well. She has kind of been guiding me in the social media process that has grown a lot for me in the past two years. But she is a makeup artist and she has her own following. She's great with this kind of stuff too. So I got to hand it to her because she kind of taught me this is what you do. You personalize, you thank, you engage. And it's natural for me to be polite. I was, you know, I was raised like a polite person, say thank you. And so to me, it's just that it's, if someone compliments you, you say thank you. And I don't think social media is any different. Yes, it takes time. And I dedicate time every morning. I try to, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do, I know people say don't do it, but this is what I do Mm -hmm. is open my Instagram. And then I, instead of flipping and looking at other people's work, I look at all the comments and reply to all of them. And I don't move on to the next part of my day until I've caught up with responding to the comments i think if someone takes time to compliment me they deserve for me to recognize that they've done so and that's sort of my that's my program i love it but isn't that sort of like responding that responding to every fan mail letter i'm aware that it's unsustainable in life moving forward right you can't maintain that i i may not be able to maintain it you know if i continue to grow but for now, it is manageable, and I'm going to keep doing it until it becomes such that I can. And then you know? maybe you can pay somebody to do it for you, and it still gets done. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I think well, I think the I mean, magic. No, I think the magic stars, is that you're you're I mean, getting no, no. Kaylin, first thing she said is that you're yeah, one of the best. A yeah. Personal, you yeah. know, and I was happy yeah. to hear that his girlfriend didn't do it for him; just no. gave him the gave him the the, the roadmap yeah. for it. Yeah. That's great. But I think you know there are other facets of the social media that someone else could do for me. I think that that like what gets said in the replies and comments and communication that has to come from me right. and, and from my heart. I mean, it's what I feel like I have to say what I feel. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think having a, a massive social media following to the point that you can't manage it enough to say thank you to people. I don't know that that's my goal. So I hope that it doesn't get to a place where I can't thank people for their compliments. It's wonderful. And it aligns with your brand, you know, of positivity and support. And it makes everyone feel so special to say, oh, my God, Jason Naylor saw my page. And, oh, my God, it, it makes people feel wonderful. It's like when people look at your artwork, your, your murals, and, and your print and everything. But it's impossible to not smile when you see your work. I live near your uh, mural at Space NK. Uh-huh. And it's so amazing watching people interact. You know, I'll stand there for 20 minutes because I'll be, like, fumbling with my tripod or whatever. <laughs> And people, I mean, a lot of fashion girls, because that's the neighborhood, yeah, right? Like, totally. a ton, fashion girls love your stuff. Um, but even then, like, non-art people, couples, all ages, all races, people smile and take a picture. Like, everyone is happy when they see your work. And it's wonderful. You're spreading so much love. That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> so, Jason, which which way, uh, obviously, uh, we don't give you a crystal ball when we come when you come in to in the spray room, but we expect you to tell us the future. Okay, <laughs> so um, whether you thought you could or not, here's your chance. Two years from right now, 
Give me the brand that you want in your back pocket. The brand that, that I want. you could work with them anytime you want. Great creative relationship. They give you the freedom to put your work together, but it's someone that you would align well with. Nike. Hmm. Why? I thought you didn't like details. Uh, this is the future. <laughs> the future. I want all the details. You want you all kidding? the details so you can invest now. He wants his cake and eat it too. That's yes. the kind of guy he is. <laughs> And I'm um, Nike. That'd be pretty cool, too. The reason I say Nike is because Nike is all about empowerment and... Anything is possible. And anything is possible, but they do it in a very creative way, and it's also very diverse. They, they have a lot of breadth. You know, they work with a lot of artists, which you know reveals the breadth of how they market themselves. You know, their brand is huge, but I think that the empowerment and the positivity in their message would align with me, and I think that my artwork would be really well fit for them yoga pants track jackets shoes slickers shoes all of it yeah yeah in terms of products i think it could be you know could be great but also in terms of like activation i think there could be a lot of i mean i think my work would really align with events and activations that they like to do and products can go with that but even just the way they advertise special launches and stuff yeah absolutely yeah now <clears throat> what what's the biggest wall you'd be prepared to do today like not learning on the fly i think i could do two stories and 100 feet wide and i think i have enough paint in my car to do that nice. actually. <laughs> always ready yeah <laughs> taking so phone you, calls so were you a boy scout in salt lake City? yeah i'm an eagle scout there we oh, go yeah. i knew that was coming sissy yeah. said he had the paint in his car to do it i'm like oh mm, always be prepared always be prepared yeah so no no lift experience yet. I have. That's why I say two stories. Mm-hmm. I've never done a lift that uh, that was bigger than a scissor that could do you know twenty five feet. Got it. So I, w- I actually would love to. And the biggest, my biggest concern about that is how do I project or how do I get the outline up there at that size? Getting the letter forms straight and aligned and like proportional is very important to my work. So I use a projector for you know some of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the learning curve for me would be how am I going to get the Sketch up. Got it. The initial yep. layout. Yep. We've, seen, we've seen artists up close do it, you know, 25 different ways from yeah. from projecting to freehand to gridding. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw Everybody one guy did it with way. an X and he, you know, uh, uh, it was a square wall and he did an X and then just worked quadrant by quadrant. Oh, wow. I just... Yeah, everybody's yeah. different. Yep. Just you know, try every way and see what you like best. I totally, guess. Totally. Yeah, and I've worked with a grid. Weirdly, in high school, we had a mural project where we had to learn how to use the grid system, and that could actually be really strong for the typographic stuff that I do. So th- I think that would be my first, apart from projector, that would be my first approach. Very cool. Yeah. So, Kaylin, let's pick the let's pick the right wall. What's a what's a good wall that uh, Jason needs? A you know, an eighty or a ninety foot message in new york city on god let's see how about right next to the um the um uh, my old new york the go big or go no i would love him to have the wall it's on lafayette and oh god what's the cross street is it spring it's now it's always a revolving gucci advertisement Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. It's right across from yeah. the JR, yeah. the fire station. Yeah. Yep. I, if up, that was just above. because all the yeah. gr- I work down there, all the girls love his stuff. 
The that message be, aligns. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sick of seeing wall. those it's ads. It's a fashion ad. Yeah, it's yeah. fashion, so it'll work. Yeah. So we'll, I would love to see that but, wall. Okay, yeah. let's do it. I'm cool. going big and going home. Why, yeah. why not the Bowery wall? Let's just put oh, it yeah. out there. Dream. Well, I was going to say, that would be a, that would be a yeah. nice, that's a great shape for yeah, a exactly. message. Exactly, it's exactly you know? yeah. what you said about two stories 100 feet long. I mean, yeah. it's like made to order. Yeah. yeah, so let's, I mean, let's do that tomorrow, I think. How long is it? How long is it? You'd be going over Tristan though. So I, know, I, I know. I was going to say how long. I was going to say how long has he been right up after him? Yeah. Um, Jason, who is inspiring you on the street right now? They could be established or newbies. What what sort of is raising an eyebrow and making you think in a good way? Um, I love Dasik. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But his obviously the color I I really love that he uses so much color. He uses a lot of color and I I like that it it his message is very different, but I always feel inspired by the way he uses color to treat his message. So he's one that I, you know, that I really like and I really like Jerkface too. His work just makes me smile. Tell me why. I think that there's this really like childlike, not childish to be clear. Um, sort of innocence to it and because his you know thematically and the characters and stuff they come from my youth a lot of them oh yeah there's a connection it throws me right back you know so I love his new layering things because the one he has now out in Bushwick it's like Spongebob layered Mm -hmm. on Spongebob that's right by my house layered layered all the way down yeah and I think that's kind of cool just because that you know it's a whole different dimension it's just not just cartoon characters thrown on a wall the the technique is nice all the way down Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think every artist paints Mickey Mouse at some point, but I, I'm I'm not as big of a fan of the guys that make their careers off of intellectual property of other artists. So I think Jerkface is cool the way he lays it out, and yes, it's it's an original concept, but it's always made up of not original concepts. Right. So I'm I'm curious about because everything that you is it just straight childhood nostalgia just. I mean, oh, look, I, it's I think the pink craft in the brain, of, you know, that type of thing, or... Well, I think, like, the craft of how he does it, the style that he does it in, I think that brings joy, you know? If you just see a Mickey on the wall, who cares, you know? But the way that he layers it... Or he combines, like, uh, Homer Bob. Yeah. Like, Wu-Tang Care Bears. Exactly. I mean, he's also... There's a joy to, to, to what he it, does. He's also, like, playing pranks. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. With it just a little bit. And I think that's probably what saves him from just falling into an intellectual property hole. What saves him from getting sued is my question. Every piece he does, some, he's, someone is going to be, a have a line. feel away about that. But but that is that an, uh, an artistic path that we would recommend or we would even acknowledge someone following? Well, I mean, Picasso himself said, good artists create, great artists steal. So where do you Yes, but it's hard to steal some of the most iconic images in the world and make it your own as a career. Yes, Warhol did soup cans and painted uh, uh, the Queen and Leonard Nimoy and all sorts of crazy shit like that, but it wasn't his career was taking other people's IP. Let me, so that's, let, that's let me weigh I, in, please. Um, just because I have worked so much in a commercial setting, I think um, this raises the question of the difference between fine art versus commercial art. And commercially, I don't see how Jerkface would have success because attaching a brand to any one of his pieces wouldn't work. But in a fine art setting where it's all about his expression, I think it's pretty spot on. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a matter of how does a brand enter right. He's that? not using his art to sell a product. Right. His art is the single product and that's what makes it yep. legal mm-hmm. because the same thing is with a photograph. 
Exactly. Um, if the if someone because photos get stolen all the time, and if they're used to sell product, then you go after them. Just like if someone were to, someone to take your art. Although we've got one going on now. There's a photographer, what in South Africa, that took someone else's photograph, made a black and white version, and called it his own and hung it on a wall. <coughs> so there's also that line in fine art world. Mm-hmm. Another bridge between advertising and fine art that I think is interesting right now. You know, all these corporate companies are imitating street art, right? right. With the wheat paste, with, um, you know, the stencils on the street. And sometimes you can't tell, right? I'm like, wait, is this this awesome new artist? Oh, no, it's, no, it's, yeah. blo- it's a lot of advertising for, you know, moment. for, yeah, for, um, you know, albums. So it's like music and this and that. Um, and oftentimes these wheat paste are going over our friends' pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Like Freeman's Alley, you walk down, and I'm so pissed to see all this shit so right over, now. you know, Dirk and Yellow and Android, and I'm like, ah! But I'm just curious um, what your thoughts there, being so familiar with the ad world and then being in the fine art world, sort of, you know, does it frustrate you or just sort of what are your, what's your observation of this? Well, I think the street art protocol for like throwing up over someone else's work is kind of like a fine-tuned system, which I'm still learning about. And I've, like any other artist, have made mistakes and painted over things that maybe I shouldn't have without realizing. So I think that there's a respect that is to be demanded in you know on that side of things. Having said that, the point of you know, agencies and marketing agencies wanting to do that, what they're doing, which is putting their own wheat paste on top of that work is because they're trying to target the same audience and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a smart tactic. I think the protocol and that system of respect, which is in place, I think they have no idea about it. So I can see both sides. You know, I, I get that no one wants to put their work somewhere and have someone else paint over it or do something over it. I totally get that. I wouldn't want someone painting over me, you know, but I also understand that it's, it's naivety when you see a marketing campaign on top of someone else's art, I don't think it was ever intentional. I think they just don't know. And they may not even see what's there as existing art. Well, and it's not the marketing people themselves that are putting them on the street. It's guys they are hiring for a couple hundred dollars a night. Yeah, people we know. Right? Yeah. The PR, now, and those paid. guys probably the do know. Yeah. Is we, right. The same people that are paid, putting so. their artwork up are also the guys that are out there putting the handbills up. Yeah. Right? So it's, it, it brings up the, the legality of it. You know, If someone has a contract with a building owner then I don't know that that particular spot is going to be covered with marketing wheat pastes, you know? Whereas if someone's illegally putting up their work, which is fine, I think it's maybe fair game for well, someone else you, to you do something. You cannot be a diva on the streets. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, if I guess so. you're an artist that can't stand people touching your work, the streets aren't for you. That's what I would say, Because New York's yeah. cruel. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at what happens when Banksy comes to town. His pieces last generally, what, four or five days? I mean, buildings get destroyed, you know. Just yeah, I mean, they'll rip off at you seriously. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so yeah. then that raises another question. What about the architect who designed that building? Does that person deserve the respect of not having his artwork destroyed by... Good point. You know? I mean, the, ar- the, the architect is an artist, too. So do we respect that? I, don't, I mean, it's a whole cyclical mm-hmm. situation. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, Jason, before we let you go, why don't you please give our listeners and your new fans uh, your online addresses so they can find you, please. Cool. So my name is Jason Naylor, and that's my Instagram. It's J-A-S-O-N-N-A-Y-L-O-R. And 
My website is jasonnaylorcreative.com. Great. Well, everybody, this was fun sitting down with Jason. Kalen, thank you for coming in today. Bye, girl. Nice job. You excited? Yeah, always. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank we, you, Jason. Thank you for having me, you guys. Jason Thanks. Naylor. Ciao.